it back to Garland, long drive, he scores! Connor Garland with a slap shot from the right circle. Sheldon drives, was parked in front, and the Canucks answer right back with a goal to take a 2-1 lead. 8.03 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. A little bit of housekeeping before we get to Brendan Batchelor, the play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. He's going to join us in a second here. We can just mostly talk about Man United. Um, our three is brought Congratulations to- on the League Cup win. The Carabao Cup against your beloved Newcastle United. Did you watch the match? No. I'm not, Newcastle's sc- not my team anymore, man. Don't scoff at it. You could have just team. said no. The uh, League Cup. It's the Carabao Cup. It's hardware. United was over the moon. How of far that club? Out. How I'm far a, that club has fallen? I won a trophy in years. <laughs> yeah. um, hour three of the program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at Campbell-Pound.com today. Tell them about Kintec, and then I'll reiterate that we're giving away tickets to the big game against Toronto on Saturday. Well, we're coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. We're giving away uh, a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and the Leafs on Saturday. That's a 4 o'clock start. Boo! Eastern media. Um, if you want to win them, text the Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650 right now. What you learned over the last 24 hours in sports, hashtag it WWL. Put a ticket emoji in your text. That's how you get entered into the grand prize draw. A-Dog will select the winner coming up shortly. Although I don't like watching games at 4 a.m. as much. I will say PM. going. PM. 4, 4 p.m. Rather. Yeah, watching a game at 4 a.m. would also be bad. Yeah. Uh, going to a game at 4 p.m., on the other hand, is quite nice because you still have your whole evening ahead of you once the game is you over. You can go out for a, not even a late dinner, just a later dinner. Yeah, I exactly. Like that. It's great. I used to say, then you can go out after. And then, I, then Now I'm like, I can be in bed by 9. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I can eat dinner and then promptly fall asleep with a full stomach. Yeah, there's no going out and partying anymore. Okay, uh, let's go to the phone lines now. Brendan Bachelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Batch? How's it going? I'm sure the uh, text message inbox has been tame and uh, controlled today. You'll notice I tried to segue into some man you talk so we could quell. <laughs> I, I can do that, yeah. <laughs> the, you know, the League Cup, I know it's the League Cup, but we hadn't won a trophy since 2017, so let us have it. Come now, on. Now do Newcastle. You can, ha- <laughs> you, you can have it. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle's what 1969 since they've won a trophy or something like that. Nice, yeah, fifty, yeah, one nice, two, yeah, fifty plus years. It's nice. a pretty impressive feat by them. Uh, so anyway, we won't do the Manchester United thing. We will focus on what you're talking about, and that is, well, the collective ire of the general public. Now I know that you came on with Sat and Dan yesterday. I actually heard the hit, and you said what we've been saying all morning, folks. Uh, if you don't like the way that this plan is going and you're su- surprised by any of this, then maybe you weren't listening because the Canucks said that this is what they were going to do. And then by George, they went out and did it. Yeah, exactly. And again, I can understand people not liking the plan or not agreeing with the plan or thinking the plan is going to fail. But Jim Rutherford, you know, 
in an exchange with Thomas Drance in a press conference earlier this season, when Drance floated a three-year timeline for this team to turn things around, Rutherford sort of chuckled and, and kind of insinuated that that was much longer than they thought it would take to turn this team around. So, you know, I, I doubt I said it publicly on the air, but privately, I was always expecting them to move the first round pick they acquired in the Horvat trade, likely for a defenseman. And so when that trade came through yesterday, it was a bit surprising in the sense that anytime an organization that you're covering makes a trade, that you're not expecting in the short term. It's surprising, right? We'd all been hearing about their talks with Pittsburgh this week, and then this deal with the Red Wings seemed to come out of nowhere. But in terms of the way they want to build this team, their stated goal of how they want to go about it, it's not surprising at all that they gave up these future assets for a right-shot defenseman that can help the team immediately. So, you know, I thought Bruff put it very well on, on Twitter yesterday as well that, you know, this is the plan. This is what they're doing. And, you know, you might be frustrated by it, but this is the way they're going. And we'll have to all sort of watch and, and see how it works out here going forward. And, you know, the other thing I think that's always important is it's very easy to isolate this trade and rip it to shreds. But we're going to have to wait and look at it as part of the bigger picture of what moves are going to follow, whether they follow before the deadline tomorrow or whether they follow in the summer. And then once you get a greater picture of, OK, where are they able to move money out? Who are they able to move off of in their forward group? What sort of assets do they return in those sorts of trades? Then I think you've got a better idea of the whole picture as opposed to just taking this trade in isolation in this one moment and saying that you don't like it. Look, you may not like the bigger picture as well if you want this team to, to rebuild. I think that's probably the reality of the situation for many fans. But, you know, a perfect example, last year they move off Travis Hamanick for a draft pick, and everybody got really excited. You know, oh, that's great. They get rid of the Hamanick contract, they add a pick, and then, what was it, 15 minutes later, they move that pick for Travis Dermott. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see how the rest of the picture plays out, both in the next... 24-ish hours before the deadline and then heading into the summer as well. Okay, well, let's work on the assumption that the next move isn't to immediately trade Philip Hronick. We'll say that he'll be sticking around. I guess. <laughs> okay? Um, it's your job as a play-by-play -play guy to, one, call the day-to-day, -day, but to also do a lot of research and get to know these players. I actually feel bad. I did not realize that the, the Vancouver Canucks have played 13 different defensemen already this season. Hronick will be the 14th. So two questions. One, when do you think he'll actually play? Because he's pretty banged up right now. And two, on the research that you've done and the people that you've talked to, what can Canucks fans expect from Hronick? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not exactly sure on the timeline yet. I think we'll probably get a better idea of that when we talk to, to Rick Talkett today. But, you know, look, he's a, a right shot defenseman. He can move the puck. Uh, offensively, he's having a career year. He's already tied his career high for points through 60 games this year. Um, so, you know, over an 82-game sample size, on pace to be north of a 40-point, close to a 50-point defenseman. Uh, he's a, a power play guy that's also played the penalty kill in Detroit, and I think that's probably one of the assets that made him even more attractive to the Canucks management group is he could be a guy that could come in and try and stabilize some things on the PK. Um, 
in terms of timeline, though, I'm not sure how soon they're going to see him in the lineup. You know, as he's out with an injury right now, I would imagine that he'll get in before the end of the regular season. They've got 22 games left here. Um, so there, there's plenty of time, and it's a busy month of March here, 15 games this month, so they, they'll use him and use him a lot if they can get him back into the lineup because he also plays a, a fair bit of minutes. And I think one of the interesting things in terms of how he slots in is going to be what they do with him on the power play because he kind of has been a power play quarterback guy in Detroit as well. Obviously, that's Quinn Hughes' role uh, here with the Canucks, but in terms of their top power play unit, they don't have JT Miller out right now as he's week to week uh, with his injury. So what week to week means is anybody's guess in terms of he could be back next week. It could be, you know, a month from now. So I wonder if if Hironic can come back before Miller, that maybe they look to run two defensemen out on the top power play unit so that they can give both of these guys you know, the opportunity to to have those power play minutes. And then going forward, it'll be interesting to see how they utilize Heronic in that regard. I think it's also going to be fascinating to see once they build out this blue line, where they see Heronic fitting in. Because, you know, I, I wouldn't blame you for saying, you know, you've acquired a right shot defenseman, a top four guy, potentially a top two guy if he continues to trend in the direction that he has this year. You're going to play him with Quinn Hughes. But at the same time, he profiles very similarly to Quinn Hughes in yeah. terms of the style of play. So do you have an offensive defenseman now that can be on the other one of your top two pairings and you fill those holes, one on the left side and one on the right, with more defensive stay-at-home guys that can allow both Hughes and Heronic to cook offensively? We'll have to wait and see what they think in that regard. And you know how defensive pairings and line combinations work. They change from game to game and shift to shift sometimes. but. Um, you know, we'll have to wait and see when he gets in the lineup, how they're actually going to utilize him and, and what Rick Tockett thinks about how he might fit into this group going forward. Hey, Batch, in theory, in theory, should it be easier and cheaper for the Canucks to acquire some better defensive defensemen, guys that can help them out on the PK, because the offensive defensemen are typically the ones that make the big money? Yeah, I, I think so. Um you know, now it sort of depends the the quality of defensemen we're talking about because, right. you know, for example, like Luke Shen, I'm, I'm not sitting here pretending he's a, a top four defenseman on a contender. You look at where he fits in, in in the Maple Leaf structure now that he's been moved there, and he's not necessarily going to be a guy that's in the lineup on a night-to-night basis. But it was a third-round pick for Luke Shen, who's a defensive defenseman. Um so, you know, again, you know, Luke Shen is not the defensive equivalent of Philip Heronic, but you would think anyway that it, it would be more possible now that they've got their two offensive defensemen for them to find guys that they can mine upside from as defensive defensemen. I think the bigger challenge is going to be just in general finding another guy on the right side that profiles that way to play with Quinn Hughes because, um, you know, more so than defensive defensemen versus offensive defensemen, it's much easier to find left shot defensemen as opposed to right shot defensemen. And so, you know, 
does that mean Tyler Myers is here longer than people would like or that they think he can fit in well in a, in a top four role going forward? I guess we'll, we'll have to wait and see, and that may be the reality if they can't find this right-shot defensive defenseman to be Quinn Hughes' partner that, that we sort of have kind of envisioned them finding ever since they moved off of Chris Tanev. Um, so, so it remains to be seen. But, yes, in theory, I think – there's a higher value on points and offensive production in the league for obvious reasons, Mm -hmm. but this is a team right now with the way it's scored this year, as opposed to the way it's defended that needs defensive guys that can help settle things down in their own zone so that, you know, they don't need to score five or six goals every single night to try and find a way to win games. Yeah. For the record, I'm not putting it out there that the Canucks are all set with puck movers. Now, like you could have a very good debate about which, has hurt the Canucks more, their lack of puck moving ability from the back end or their lack of in-zone coverage. And I think both sides would make a good argument. So the the tough thing is, and, and, and the value in a guy like you brought up, Chris Tanev, the, the value in a guy like Chris Tanev is that he was excellent in his own zone, but he also made a good first pass. And he got, and he got it going. He, now, he didn't do much in the offensive zone, if anything. Um, but those guys are tough to find because sometimes you'll, get, you'll find the guys that are more than willing to block a shot or able to break up the cycle, but then the puck is on their stick and it's like a grenade on their stick. We ask so much of defensemen these days that I guess it's no wonder that they're hard to find. Yeah, and that the price for them when you do go and get them is as big as it was in this Heronic trade, right? Like this is clearly a player that the organization must value incredibly highly. And you can understand why based on, you know, the, the skill set that he brings and, you know, the, the, the puck transition ability that he's going to bring to that right side. And, you know, as much as I say, you know, they might want to try and find a more defensive defenseman on that right side. The other side of this is that they've played Ethan Bear quite a lot with Quinn Hughes this mm-hmm. year. So they might be content with those two guys together as a pairing. And then you're talking about maybe Tyler Myers, if he's still here, being in more of a third pairing role, which might actually be a better spot for him long term in terms of, you know, minutes and, and expectations and his ability to, to play within himself and not be a liability like he has at times this year. Um, so, so that remains to be seen. You know, they may feel that a lot of the work in terms of rebuilding the blue line has been done with just this heroic trade. But, you know, I still would like to see someone like, again, it's, you know, you don't find Chris Tanev on, you know, he's not growing on trees. There aren't Chris Tanevs out and about to be found everywhere around the NHL. It's one of the reasons why they've missed him in, in the years since he left the organization. But, Someone that profiles more like that, you're right, who can block shots, who can kill penalties, who can play some of those hard minutes, but also isn't a liability in terms of his his passing and puck transition ability as well. Batch, this was great, bud. Thanks a lot for taking the time to do this. We really appreciate it. Have a good call tonight. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I just want to relay a quick anecdote like, uh, I, we got a ton of feedback today. I, I I love the fact that we have so many listeners, or maybe just listeners that are really engaged. And so s- sometimes we try and engage back with them. Like mm-hmm. we'll, we'll go back and forth. So I'm having, I'm having this, this kind of is a snapshot of like I'm not complaining, but this is just what you have to deal with sometimes. So someone texted in and they were like, "You guys are blathering on too much. 
can you give us some facts about the new defenseman we got? And I was like, oh, Philip Peronik. Okay, we can do that for sure. So I texted back and I said, you know what's a good idea is go and download hours one or two of the podcast because we talked a lot about Heronic. Right. So the guy wrote back, I did, and you're only talking about Luke Shen. So then I took a pause, and I'm like, you're listening to yesterday's podcast. <laughs> so that's okay. I'm like, there's a new one, and we, we talked about it. And then he, he just wrote back again. He's like, don't worry about it. I'm getting a great breakdown of the new player right now from Shorty. I'm like, that's not Shorty. <laughs> That's not. And then I just, I'm like, you know what? Just enjoy the show. So that's, that's where we're at. It's like, you know what? Let's just have a good time. Let's just all have a good time and just enjoy this wild ride that we're on together as Canucks fans. So I, I, this text that just came into the Dunbar Lumber text line, um, given its analogy, it might be from Randy Ambrosi, the CFL commissioner. Let's hear it. Um, <laughs> it's actually about the Canucks. Uh, when your boat is sinking... Is it a better plan to keep trying to plug the holes or just get a new boat? Great, great. That's perfect. His was the well, bike, well, plug right? the holes. Obviously, you can't buy a boat in the middle of the ocean. What is there, like a boat salesman <laughs> driving by with other boats? I think you've read too much into this analogy. I think, I think the you're, holes. Let's, the, let's the, say you're The texter ashore. continues, fans are just tired of these leak plugging moves. Well, Okay. But that I think that that gets, that gets at, at the crux of it. Yep. But but some people will say, when you're, I don't know, you you don't make a boat with players. But like if, when your boat includes Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, it's still a perfectly you, good boat. It's 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 a it's a good boat. That's the it's a young boat. Why would we get rid it's of a that young boat? boat? Right? You don't and, go buy a new boat. If you plug enough holes, in theory, the boat will stay afloat, and maybe that boat can win a Stanley Cup. <laughs> right? Is that right. not fair? The players are like deck chairs on this boat. <laughs> oh, you move them around a little bit. What size is the boat? Um, the, okay, but just thirty footer. Again, focus. Uh, I think the important thing here is that you're right. It's like, can you be patient and impatient at the same time? Are they mutually exclusive? I think they are. Can you? Have a world where you keep the boat and fix the holes and also buy a new boat. No, they're not. You have to go get an. It's one or the other. But the point being, <laughs> some of the text going yeah. in. It's a boat made of ramen. Yeah, that's, see now <laughs> we're really losing focus delicious. now. What <laughs> is another text? But what if you get a new boat but you have no oars? Well, the oars are important. Okay, I don't think we should. Uh, we should. You know the Simpsons them? episode where they're stranded in the water and it's Homer and and Flanders and they're trying to ration the food and Flanders is like, no, we got to let this stretch out for a long period of time. And Homer's like, okay, I'll take one little bite here and one little bite. <laughs> here and then i'll eat the whole thing that's and how you eat an elephant exactly but the point being now people are arguing about whether or not heronic is a leak plugging move or if it's a tenure that maybe that's a, actually an engine maybe that's an engine on the boat it's not even a, it's not even plugging a leak it's a it's an engine it's true so is, is oel the anchor <laughs> <laughs> if we're going all the way with this analogy then <laughs> someone said the boat analogy was off the rails i object it's certainly on them. Okay, uh, let's collect ourselves here. We need to. Oh, there's a bunch of Flex Seal. You know what? Flex, Flex, I've seen the commercials. The Flex Seal will help a boat. If you put a the screen, Canucks have acquired a roll of Flex Seal tape. I love those commercials. Like, what if the bottom of your boat had a screen door on it, and then you needed to patch up the screen door? I'm like, what world are we living in here? Anyway, um, okay. Here's what we need to do. We need to start setting up what we learned because we're doing humanoids on the other side and we're giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and the Leafs on Saturday. I have a pretty good what we learned is Canucks related, actually. 
Okay. We haven't even mentioned yet today. No, that's good. Hold on to that one for a sec. So get your tech. There's a million. Look, you're going to have to really step your game up, listeners, because there's a million texts that have come through. People are clamoring for these tickets. Not surprising. Mm-hmm. It's Saturday night or afternoon. Hockey night in Canada. Leafs, Canucks, Rogers Arena, 4 o'clock start. Hashtag it WWL and put a ticket emoji. Texas 650-650. It's a Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, we're going to do Andy's What We Learn Now. And then on the other side, we're going to do all the humanoid submissions. So, Andy... What is this Canucks-related, what we learned, that you have? Yeah, well, this was actually pointed out yesterday by Abbey News reporter photographer uh, Ben Lipka, um, and it got a lot of pull on social media. And uh, the Canucks have filed a trademark for a new skate logo. Now, Uh, I saw this. Slightly different than the other skate logos. I'm looking at it now. Uh, They've already uh, trademarked, I think, three other skate logos in the past. This one is like more like an HD reimagined version of it, but it looks more or less the exact same as what they've had, just sort of nicer looking. But it's led people to believe, okay, now does this mean with this trademark that they're actually going to do a full-fledged, not just a third jersey, full-fledged rebrand next season? No more Orca next year. Are they going full-fledged skate top to bottom because this trademark kind of leads people to believe that? Yeah, I I got that – sort of feedback as well. Because they've already trademarked their third jersey logo, so they wouldn't need to do another one because they already have one. So this new one sort of implies... They're kicking it back to black, orange, yellow, red, and they're going to go skate full-time. And I guess white skate jerseys on the road then, maybe? That'd be cool. I always laugh because growing up... We all hated the skate logo. See, it's my favorite logo, but I'm. I know. It's my, it's, this is my wheelhouse. By far, my favorite Canucks. It's logo. funny how all the logos, like across the league, though, have gone back. Not all of them, but a like a lot of them, them have gone back. Like nostalgia the sit, like, sales, man. Like think about the Islanders. They went to that crazy captain, that fish guy, the fish sticks captain, yep. or whatever. Yeah, and that like, was not great. The Sabers made a bunch of attempts at a new logo. The they're Flames back went to their, back to their old. They're school. back to their old logo. Yeah. People um, that have money now. Love nostalgia, <laughs> so they true. go with that. That's probably but, it. But isn't point, yeah, aren't yeah. the white Canucks jerseys a bit punchless? Like to me on on the road, like yeah, I don't like those. Um, I don't like I've them. never, but I kind of like the colors of blue and green because. But the black ones Vancouver. just look so much more intimidating. Like the white ones, just uh, I don't know. Blue, That's the only yeah. thing holding me back. I like the black alternates. I just don't think the white one uh, works. Blue. I'm kind of with you. I like the color scheme, blue and green. But I've never been, like, a massive fan of the last decade and a half. Like, it, 2011, obviously, is going to be synonymous with those colors, the last great cup <laughs> run. But you could just kind of flip it. Like, you brought up a really good point. The people that got the money now are the people that got the nostalgia now. So just in another 20 years, go back to blue and green. It is funny, though. Honestly, looking back, like, we all hated the we all hated the jerseys. Yeah, they were when, routinely when they, when they, roasted. So, so when they went to um, – you know the 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 Bertuzzi era Naslin jerseys, which is the orca, but like the awful colors, yeah, like the ter- yeah, ter- just terrible terrible colors. We were like, that's not bad, because it's because <laughs> it because it was different than yeah. the one that we'd all been a little bit we'd all been a little bit embarrassed of. Frankly, I saw one of those jerseys at the game on Saturday at the Bruins game, and I was sitting next to my buddy. I'm like, those are awful yeah those he, are yeah. disgusting they're, they're really bad jerseys yeah. like that that era i don't even know what you'd call that blue the navy and, blue and burgundy yeah it was a navy blue and like they were just a terrible terrible jersey and it probably shows how just how styles change i mean you look at some of the things you used to wear 20 30 years ago you're like Frost, i thought that yeah. looked good frosted yeah. tips 
Uh, khaki pants? I remember having a an, an all- Khakis. Khakis are still in. Are they? Yeah. Okay, Thank God. Okay, <laughs> That's no, not a whole closet. Not with the massive pleats that I imagine you have. Okay, Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> uh, I think, I remember when I was in high school, I had like an all teal Charlotte Hornets jacket. Remember when teal was really popular? Teal got real, real popular. popular. Yeah. yeah. It was everywhere. And now, not so much. Back right. in Seattle Kraken form. Yes, that's right. Okay. okay. Moo cow. We got, we got to get to the listeners. Oh, cow. <laughs> that poor cow. Oh. Uh, text in your what we learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. A reminder if you want to be entered into the competition for best what we learned for tickets to the Leafs game on Saturday night, Leafs and Canucks, they'll be, they'll be playing too. Rogers Arena, 4 o'clock start. Uh, be sure to include the ticket emoji with your What We Learned. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God. This is always dead. 8.33 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program. We're halfway through it. Got some easy listening here. I like it. Down tempo. Lo-fi. Lo-fi. Uh, hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Should we start uh, Humanoid What We Learns with the winner? Do you have a particular direction you'd like to go in? Well, JC in Tawasson is the winner. Um, You're a JC. She's a JC. From mm, one JC to another. I'm not a JC. I call you that all the time. You oh, don't. JC. What We Learned. I learned how to walk on eggshells around my husband, who is a Canucks lifer. After the trade yesterday, the mood at home was very heavy. How do I tell him I'm dying to go to a game this weekend? Well, JC, you tell him we're going to the game, whether you like it or not. So put a smile on your face. Saturday. Stop moping around. Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Four o'clock. We're Rogers fun. We're gonna get babysitters for the kids. I don't know. If you can go Jason, for dinner Jason afterwards. Needs babysitters or anything like that. Yeah, you can go to the sports bar at Rogers Arena. Had yeah. a few times there before. Lots of fun. Four o'clock. Congratulations, JC. You and your husband are going to the game on Saturday. We got one more pair of tickets to give away tomorrow, by the way. So keep uh, keep texting it. Okay, not, gotta... not for Saturday's game though. For Monday's game. Monday's game. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Um, I've got a few what we learned here. Uh, someone texted in earlier that they learned that Patrick Kane is going to make. His New York Rangers debut tonight uh, at MSG against the Ottawa Senators. I'm actually really intrigued to see what that's going to look like mm-hmm. because, and I don't mean just tonight. Um, New York is fired up for this. New York, you know, I know that the Rangers are kind of second fiddle sometimes, maybe third fiddle. Like MSG is really the home of the Knicks. I know that the Rangers are there. It's the Knicks' home, but Jalen Brunson who's having a terrific year for the Knicks, rolled into MSG yesterday. You know what he was wearing? A Patrick Kane New York Rangers jersey. So they're fired up. I think it's going to be cool because also Tarasenko last night, you see him? 
He broke out in a major way for the Rangers. He had three points in that victory. I think Patrick Kane's a bigger star in the United States than he is in Canada. That's fair. Because I think he's arguably the... I think, for me, he's the greatest American hockey player ever. Also synonymous with three Stanley Cups for one yeah. of the original six teams in the U.S. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, totally. I get what you're saying. And uh-huh. him reunited with Artemi Panarin. It looks like Vincent Trocek is going to get the assignment to center those two. Damn. So, it's like, Vincent, stay out of the way. Just pass the puck. To yeah. One of those guys. To one on of those guys. Just give it to somebody and else. And then they'll make something happen. Um, I'm more of a Joe Mullen guy myself when it comes to the best Joey Mullen yeah. from Hell's Kitchen in New York. <laughs> uh, you think he's the best American player of all time? That over a thousand points. What about Mike Madonna? Mike Madonna's in the conversation as well. I, no I go one that's Kane. more talented than Kane. Chelios well, is in there as a defenseman. You know who might be? Austin oh. Matthews. Yeah, not yet though. But by the end, it might be. But but I but I include team accomplishments in that. Yeah, right? I, I'm just saying on the trajectory. Out of spite. <laughs> yeah, Chris towards the Leafs mostly. <laughs> Chelios gets yeah, the I Chelios. Chelios gets I mean, the incredible. Chelios gets the longevity award. Yeah, right. But in terms of the most talented transcendental, transcendental, I don't even know the word. Transcendent. Uh, transcendent. Thank you. Transcendental. Uh, transcendental. Yeah. Uh, it's Matthews or Kane. I always thought Eichel was going to get in that conversation, but nope. no, no, no. Uh, unsigned what we learned, I learned that the city still hasn't learned how this team runs and still acts surprised at all these moves. Yeah, this has kind of been our, our message today. And uh, it's kind of a, well, like it or not, this is how the Canucks operate. And you should have known that a deal like this was possible because uh, they said that a deal like this was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there was a feeling out there that um, because they had acquired the first round draft pick, that they all of a sudden were just going to like, we're going to focus on the draft now and we're going to build this patiently. They never said that. <laughs> Alternative slogan to the one you came up with could it be the Canucks slogan be, uh, we tried to warn you? Could they just do that? Yeah. Like, well, the, we, we well, tried the, to warn you. Well, the, and, the, and, and this is why it says, this is why I say, like, I get really frustrated when um, I hear management say, you know, like, um, I, I know everyone out there wants it fixed right away. <laughs> no one's saying that. No, <laughs> no, you're saying that. Maybe your your boss is saying that, but nobody's saying that. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. And then they'll say things like, "Hey, we're just going to have to be patient here." Mm-hmm. But you're the ones not being patient, right? I, I like I, I'm all, okay. I don't. I'm, I'm almost exhausted on. The, I know. The I know. You are. I yeah. know. You are. Like because we've been doing it all morning. Can I read a positive take on the trade oh, from no! a North fan? Sure. So, yes. I just. Yeah, I yeah. like. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I like the positivity and this angle of it. If the Canucks had simply received a scoring winger, Pavillier, a strong right-handed NHL D-man who was second on his team in scoring, Ronick, and a prospect, Roddy, for a, uh, Ratu, sorry, for a player that they were going to lose next year anyway in Horvat, people would have loved the deal. So Lon's saying, if they just look at it like this, take out take out the draft picks, just look at it player. I don't for know player if they would have loved the deal. I I I kind of I fundamentally disagree with that because I think there's a lot of people out there that just want a first round draft picks in this. Now draft. I'm not saying I agree with this texture. I'm just yeah. saying this is the positive take. Well, that's on essentially it. what they did, right? They they traded. Um, we we said this before earlier in the show. They said they traded Horvat for Ronick. That's essentially the deal. And then they traded away a second-round draft pick to get Ratu and Beauvillier. I think there would be a lot of people that would say, I hate that deal because Beauvillier is – doesn't – I mean, he's been good in 
stretches for the Canucks. I mean, it's just short sample size. You've been given all the opportunity in the world. He's playing. been really good with Pedersen so far. Yeah, but who hasn't been good with Pedersen? I know, Pedersen, I'm just right? saying. Like that, he has been, that, Yeah, he has. And he's been given Bo Horvat's opportunity in the bumper spot on the power play. And you've got a guy in Ratu that some people are thinking, well, he's maybe at best a 3C in the NHL. He's got to work on his skating. And you've got a guy in Hironic who might be a – top four defensemen, but how long is he going to be an efficient contract for the Canucks? That's what they'd say. That's what the negative Nellies would say. Mm-hmm. That's uh, what Dramps is saying. Like he was, he's basically saying he took that exact same text that that person sent in and said, this is good. And he said, this is awful. Right. But, but there's just the fundamental disagreement about how the team should proceed. Yes. So if you have this fundamental disagreement with how the team should proceed, you're going to naturally disagree with that stuff. Our message on this show has been like, you can fundamentally disagree with how this team has been run for the last 10 years, but it's going to be run like this until further notice, until they came, until this organization comes out and says one way or the other, one way or the other goes, (laughs) you know what guys, we have been going at this the exact wrong way. Yeah. And we need to take a very, very long-term view at this. And this might be a five-year thing for us. Other teams have done that. Toronto did that. They said, there's going to be pain. Buffalo did that. They said, there's going to be suffering. Right? Rangers in their letter? Never done that. They've never done that. And until they do... Assume how they're going to operate, whether you like it or not, is the way they operate. Uh, I flagged this one a couple hours ago. It's from Eric Smith, first and last name. It's a what we learned, but I want to, or sorry, and ask us anything and a what we learned, but I wanted to do it anyway. Said, if you had told me in 1999 that Ron Hextall would be a GM, I would have assumed that he'd be a wheeler dealer or gunslinger type. (laughs) Not this guy who's scared of making blockbusters or a legit move. The guy barely makes lateral moves and seems to be the safest GM in the NHL. I know it's not an Ask Us Anything Friday, but can you guys think of a more polar opposite player who became a manager? That's really interesting. So Hextall is very unique in that his on-ice persona was uh, completely unhinged. Uh, would often just react, fight or flight, emotional. And then everything he's done as a general manager is very slow and deliberate and calculated. And then now people are saying almost fearful of making a move for what you might mortgage in the future. Yeah. Uh, other ones, I mean, the, the classic one is a player that had a ton of success and seemed like he really understood the game and then went into management and flamed out entirely. Like Isaiah Thomas, mm-hmm. Magic Johnson. Um, I... I Someone wrote about Brett Hull being in that category, that he was an unmitigated disaster as a general manager because he, whatever read he had in terms of identifying talent as a player or knowing what to do as a player never translated. Gretzky he, as a head coach, I think, to surprise a lot of people because yep. he was such a hot-headed coach. Like, he would just, like, freak out yeah, that's a good on one. the bench. And yep. I know he, he, he wasn't, uh, like, on the ice, he... he he would talk, and he famously had a run-in with Billy Smith, the New York Islanders goalie. So it wasn't like he was a shrink and violet out there. Mm-hmm. But considering the era, 
you know, he, he, he mostly kept pretty quiet and was like, if he's got any problems, he goes over to Semenko and go, go take care of that guy. You know, yeah, like well, Semenko goes, okay. I think the, the overriding. Semenko crush. <laughs> <laughs> the overriding sentiment with Gretzky was that he, he was always wrong for the head coaching position because you almost need guys that had to work and grind and weren't the most skilled and gifted and visionary players. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain things that Gretzky did that he could never coach anyone, obviously, because yeah. no one's going to be ever going to be able to do what you did. Okay, right. here's what you need to do. You need to be able to kind of see the whole ice in your mind and imagine how it's all going to fo- unfold. And you have to think five or six plays ahead and then make this like perfect cross ice pass. Yeah, his, his first like speech to the team. Okay, so how many players on the team here right now know how to stop time? No one. I'm seeing no show of hands. Okay, this might be problematic. The biggest juxtaposition between uh, status as a player and then status as an executive in the history of sports is Michael Jordan. Is that right. the man that would do and was able to do anything he wanted in terms of success as a player just couldn't do it as an executive. Mm-hmm. It really showed the chasm between what it takes to be a great player and what it takes to be a great general manager. Greg and Castlegar, what we learned up until about one forty five PM yesterday, I was cheering for the Islanders to lose enough games so that their draft pick fell into the thirteenth to the seventeenth selection overall. Now I'm cheering for them to win every game. Yeah, I guess we're all. I guess we're all cheering for Horvat now, right? Isles got to win the Stanley Cup. Let's go, Isles! Isles win the Stanley Cup. They're they're forfeiting the pick this year, right? That's no, you got it wrong. Sorry, they're giving the pick this year. Islanders win the cup. They give this year's pick. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. What what you don't want is for them to like the ultimate kick in the face or kick in the crotch or wherever you want to be kicked yeah, that hurts the stomach would be if the Islanders um, lose a bunch of games and miss the playoffs by a while and take the option to uh, give the draft pick next year, totally which would obviously go to Detroit now. Yeah. And then they fall apart yeah. and it's a lottery pick. And then right. And then, uh, yeah. and then we're in the, remember, remember the fear of the JT Miller situation mm-hmm. and how that all had to play out. Do, do you actually remember how it went? Because they had to win that first round Playing series against yeah, they got complicated Minnesota. by the bubble. We're like this, right? this series like, has a lot riding on it. Remember that we didn't know because yeah. Batman hadn't decided yet if how the lottery was going to play out, if the playing round counted or not. That was a fun time. Uh, here's one from Reed in Vancouver. Hashtag WWL. What we learned. I learned that by retaining exactly 31 percent of Lars Eller's contract, we learned the Caps GM is some sort of sick pervert. <laughs> retaining 31 percent of salary. I bet this guy chooses meeting times like 9.17 a.m. and inputs times in the microwave that don't end in a five or zero. Wasn't there a 4% retention? It's all just about fitting it in exactly to the cap. Like, it's just a calculator, right? right? I thought you were going to go somewhere else there. Um, It is funny. Do you ever do that with the microwave? Do you ever put in like 41 seconds or? No. You never? I Sometimes I do that just for fun. Because yeah. there's a bunch of buttons on the screen that probably never get used. I just use the uh, the, the the knob where it just like do 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 do. You have a knob microwave? Is that a uh, fancy microwave or an old microwave? Uh, I I don't know. Because it could go both. You have ways, a knob TV right? too. Yeah. Dick, 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 dick. <laughs> Channel two. Let's see what's on. <laughs> Channel seven. Oh, that's just French. He's working. Fix the, the bunny ears. Yeah, the bunny ears. Yeah. Uh, Mike and Chilliwack. And what we learned, uh, Canucks management is like a kid that just got their allowance and it was burning a hole in their pockets to spend it. Yeah, they are like that. They're not great savers. And guess what? They got another first round <laughs> pick in their pocket too. It's burning a hole. They're not great savers. You're really going to run with this now, aren't you? Yep. Trading the way of the first round draft pick? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I don't so think you can't even. Do it. I, I don't think they're going to do it. I know, but they could do it. That's the thing. It used to be that they couldn't because I I couldn't wrap my head around it. Mm-hmm. But now my it, head's wrapped around it. They, they won't could. do it um, until the draft lottery is done. If, nope. they, if if they do it, they won't do it. We got to start looking at other teams on the slide. That they can't have. afford to bring in any more money. By the way, yeah, that's like, a problem. That, that is something that we need to absolutely uh, talk about here how much money they still need to shed. And they're still in this position where teams will call them up and be like, I see you're in a bit of a pickle. You could justifiably push back and say, well, wait a minute, Halford and Bruff. They're not really sticking to the plan. They're not really following through on what they said because they said time and time again, the goal was to carve out cap space. And they haven't done that yet. As a matter Mm -hmm. of fact, they've gone the other way. And I'll give that there's some credence to that argument that in terms of laying out the plan and being transparent, the salary cap thing, they've said it. They've talked about it. I'm making the hand gesture. They've talked about wanting to get more salary cap space, but everything they've done has been the exact opposite. Anyone can take a reservation. He is holding the reservation. Anyone can say they want to clear a cap space. The actual, the key is actually clearing the cap space. And they haven't done any of it, to be honest. Uh, Alex in the vineyard. What we learned when I heard, when I heard Drance and Dodd break the Hironic news, I thought they confused March first for April first. But alas, it was Groundhog Day, and those of us thinking we might be getting a real rebuild are the fools. First of all, very funny text, but also very true because anyone thinking the Canucks might be doing this full rebuild or real re- rebuild, as Alex put it. Like, you, you haven't been listening. No. And, and and I wonder if there were some people out there that thought, yeah, I heard what they said, but the season has been so bad that surely they've changed their minds. Surely they don't think that this team is salvageable, salvageable in one to two years' time. Yeah, that's people. Or they're so- just hoping. They're just hoping. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think that was part of why when Drance, and I don't want to bag on the guy too much, because I, I think he was right about what the pick represented, the shorting of the Arizona, or the uh, New York Islanders' long-term position. I think that was a good assessment. I just don't think the Canucks assessed it the same way. They saw that pick as a movable asset, and boy, did they move it. Uh, good one here from Bob and Nanaimo. Hashtag WWO, what we learned. What he learned is that if thirty-one uh, percent was retained on the Lars Eller deal, that means Colorado is only paying sixty-nine percent. Nice. 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 Jamie and Chilliwack, this is kind of funny. What we learned. How funny would it be tonight if uh, Brock and Dumba just met at center before puck drop and do a ceremonial jersey swap as a way of announcing a Besser for Dumba trade? Well, our guy Joe O'Donnell, who we had on the show earlier. Uh, radio play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Wild. He said, look, it's almost impossible for this Wild team to take on any contract that's got term beyond this season. Yeah, it's beyond this season that's the problem. Yeah. Besser, I know. Besser, Besser to Minnesota, I think, is is a pipe dream. I, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. I know that's where – the reason why it's getting a lot of talk is because that uh, Besser's agent is involved, and I'm sure Brock – told his agent, like, try and get me to Minnesota. And Ben Hankinson has been talking to Bill Guerin there, who's the GM in Minnesota. And I'm sure, you know, Bill Guerin will listen because he's like, oh, maybe I'll get a pretty good deal here. But I just think it's going to be too hard to do it. 
Like Hankins, this is so out in the open, by the way. It's kind of funny. If you follow all the work that Russo does at the Athletic in Minnesota, Hankinson's just out there telling everybody that he's meeting with Garen. And the, the hilarious one was they have already picked what line Brock Besser is going to play on when he goes to Minnesota. Like they've had advanced conversations about this. But I just wonder if Garen just takes the meetings and then quietly he's like, this is not going to work. Steve in the Ridge. Um... Look at the draft talent in this year's draft, mostly forwards, and we have a ton. Trading a first uh, from Horvat's trade for a stud D is great. People have to understand a rebuild will not happen right now because the Canucks want to keep Petey and Hughes happy and here in Vancouver. I don't know if it's about keeping them happy and here in Vancouver. I think it's just about building around them and wanting to take advantage of the fact that they are two terrific hockey players right now. Mm-hmm. They are kind of uh, – the Canucks are kind of – they're not obligated to do it because no no players are bigger than the team. And if you think that the best way to win a Stanley Cup is to um, say, okay, I understand we have those players here, but there's a better way to go about and win that Stanley Cup in six to seven years, then I think you should take that path. But mm-hmm. I think what they're thinking right now is, first of all, they want to get back into the playoffs because there's money to be made in the playoffs, and they've got – Two terrific players right now in those guys, and they want to build a team around them. They don't want to rebuild. And you know how we know this? Again, they've said so mm-hmm. <laughs> multiple times. Um, they don't want to rebuild. I want to go out with another update from Boston. So Boston stole the show today, by the way, in case you missed it. They started off the show by trading for Tyler Bertuzzi out of Detroit. And they've also signed David Pasternak to an eight-year, $90 million extension. There's another fairly significant bit of news on the Bees, who, by the way, are the best team in the NHL right now. There's no timetable on the Taylor Hall injury. Hall was placed on long-term injured reserve also today, so they've had a ton of news out of Boston. I wonder if Hall might be done for the year or something, and that's why they moved to get that Bertuzzi deal done. Because Fluto Shinzawa from The Athletics says no timetable on a return. For Taylor Hall. What a day. What a show. Now it's time to go. We will be back tomorrow, though, four hours of Halbro as we take you through NHL trade deadline Friday. But again, as I said, we got to get out of here. So signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A Dog. And he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.